Go Loud presents Murder Most Irish. I tell you I have nothing to say to you really this is the third day I've seen you in a row has anything happened to you today I went to Ikea that's something and the man in front of me while I'm sitting down having my breakfast everybody get yourself to Ikea for breakfast buy nothing have? else what you have and a breakfast like as uh, an a regular breakfast what did you have pudding so, I can, no, no Ikea breakfast you get bacon right so, this is a regular breakfast okay bacon sausage eggs hash brown Tomato and a you tiny, beautiful, soft, fluffy egg omelette. And you liked it. And I You're very picky about breakfast. I know. So now I wouldn't like if we that. had went to like a fucking cafe and they were like that. I would have been like, you, you can fuck off. <laughs> but for four euro and thirty cent, is that all? Four euro and thirty. It's an odd figure cent. And then I got a slight two slices of toast okay. for seventy five cent, 13. and a bowl of mushrooms. That I is love dirty. mushrooms uh, for 75 cents. I tell you, they do a nice ice cream. Yeah, they, they do. They do a lovely soft serve. And I went there and I was having my breakfast and the amount of people just in Ikea to have breakfast. They, I presume they live close to it, right? Yeah, but there's a building site across the road so it's full of builders having a breakfast. Stop. Yeah. That's gas. So I went to Ikea and I was working in Ikea. So I had to get stuff for work. That's why I was there. Yeah. And then I had calls. So I was like, I'll get my breakfast. I'll do the calls at the table. So I had my work phone and my phone. Yeah. And I was on my work phone for a while. And I just, there was a mat, like I sat and there was a guy sitting directly across from me. Mm-hmm. And every time I looked up, he did that thing where he looked away. <laughs> you know that thing where people go. Because I do it. Like <laughs> I do that all the time. And I was like, and it was real like. Dirty. Like yeah. It wasn't like I do I where do I, I go like this. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> I just lie across the room, <laughs> or I, I give them a little smile. I do that when I'm looking at people's outfits. I always do, it. and then I'm like, "You're being weird, Emma. Like you're being weird." Because I'm just like. Anyway, he was proper shifty when he. I looked. I was like, and then I just like, you know what? Hello, hello. Uh, yeah. What are you staring at? Hello. I just gave him a little smile. But do you ever? Okay, just in that man's. Uh, defense sometimes I do that and I don't know why I'm doing it and I just do it and then I'm like why am I doing this like just stare at I somebody just, not even stare but I just kind of get fascinated and I'm like what are they doing oh, and then yeah. I realise I'm in a public place this person is looking at me now yeah and I have to go hmm. I never look away but I do the, I do the smile the Irish smile the one with no teeth mm, yeah do that mark yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the white people smile yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and they had none of the Vermlink stuff no they had but none of the ones you want none oh, of the stuff you wanted fuck so me. they didn't have the bowls I can't they didn't the have the lamp. lamp they had everything else which and I actually really liked the jugs and glasses yeah they're really pretty but there's fuckers on Depop now selling those lamps that are like 50 quid and they're selling them for like 200 pounds that's I'm like come behavior. on but then I checked the uh, Ikea website and they said that they're expecting the lamps back in between the 5th and the 18th of 5th and the 10th of March. Okay. So I put down like a thing to be like, send me a notification. Because they do click and collect, you know. Yeah, they do click and, and collect. And you can now yeah. click and collect from Stephen's Green Shopping Centre. Yeah, and there's one in um, 
Like I was looking at it today. There's one in a weird place. Oh, it's over on the other side of the city near uh, your sister. Where she used to live. Yes, that's yeah. exactly where it is. Um, uh, yeah, you can't get there. I want that fucking bag. Actually, no, that's not true. You know how you could get there? How? You get the dirt, you get the train, you get into town. Yep. You get the Lewis to Lachlanstown. Yeah. You get off at Lachlanstown and rather walking into Lachlanstown where your sister used to live, yeah. you walk across the motorway bridge and that, and that. Oh, it's in there, is it? That, Shopping centre is just there. I'm trying to think of the name of it. It'll come to me. I know. I can see it in my head. Yeah, and I can just Carrick Mines. Carrick Mines. Carrick Mines Retail is right there. You actually could get the Lewis too. Yeah, because I think what I'll do is I'll buy it and click and collect, and I'll just uh, if they can send it to Stephen's Green, I'll I'll get it there. Um, because I don't delivery is too expensive. Oh, it's insane! Delivery from IKEA is fucking nuts. But I want this lamp so badly. You only want it because you can't get it. No, I've wanted it for ages. And it's sold out everywhere. I checked all the stores in Canada, in Toronto, gone. Is it in Birmingham? No, gone. Oh. I was like, what? <laughs> can't find it anywhere. Is it in Liverpool? No idea. The man that I buy all my stuff off from my house, he got it. Of course he did. He gets much everything. he selling it for now? He's not selling it. He just got it. I saw it on his Instagram. Um, Paul's Instagram. I There's a man that is on adverts and he's like my favourite person. I have like notifications set up for him. Because his house is the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. And he sells shit all the time. So I'm like... And he's like, I meet you at the fountain. I'm like... What fountain? Down there. Because his, his sister or something, I don't really understand, works in Ballyfermot. Okay. And he's always like, I'll drop... My sister will drop me up to meet you and give you the, I'll give you the thing. So he always Aww. meets me at that fountain. And the last day when I met him, he was with his partner, I believe. Huh? And I can't remember what I bought. Oh, I bought the MoMA lamp. Or the MoMA vase. And... uh he met me there as well. He looked like a rich changer. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so I'm kind of hoping he sells it, but I know he won't for ages. And there's this chair I want, but it's too much money. Like, I had nice stuff. I had a look at that. That whole range is nice. And then I had, I bought, I bought with picture ledges. So to stop the ghost from, from a haunted house. It's crazy. Tell the people. Sarah has a wall in her downstairs, obviously in her sitting room, the very back wall. And this was never a problem before, but she painted it. And since she's painted it, her pictures will not stay on the they wall. One will. Like one picture is still up. Can't, can't get that can't one get down. That down. But when she puts up anything else, they'll just like, remember the night we were there and the one fucking crashed to the ground and you yeah. shit my pants. Yeah. But they won't, like they won't stay on your walls. No. But the thing I don't understand is it stays on the other walls, yeah. which are also painted. It stays, it stays on the wall directly across. Above the telly. That's fine. That ghost world picture has never fallen. Has I think it has the sense, the word ghost in ghost it. Ghost in it. And, he's and like, the ghost is like... That's my buddy. What about upstairs? Fine. What the fuck? What is it? Fine, fine, fine. Do you think it's your neighbours like, doing something? Down. I no, don't know. It's a wall of solid cement. <sighs> so anyway, I've got window ledge... Not window. Picture ledges picture now. Ledges. And I've got an industrial brackets. <laughs> and I'm going to fucking drill the shit out of these walls. Is your dad going to do? My dad's coming up. <laughs> and I've got a plan... And if a fucking single... Pe- I'm moving out of the house. I'm getting a priest in. Get them to bless it. Uh, That's the first thing. The first thing my mother would have said to you if you told her that story. Get someone in to bless it. Um, and she would have said it nonchalantly. Like, it's not terrifying. It is terrifying. Get a Like, last night I was falling asleep and something fell in the house and I was like... Huh! Huh! No. And, and I was like, Graham, what was... What was that? And Graham was like, I don't know. And I was like... <laughs> Go check. And he was like, I, no. The dogs are bark. The dogs Absolutely didn't bark or nothing. Not. So I was like, maybe it's the dogs. So he went down and he was like, no, nothing. Then I was like, maybe Lenny drops something out of her bed. Yeah. No, nothing. Then I went into the bathroom. Nothing. And I was like, well, I can't go back to sleep now. No, I wouldn't either. 
I sometimes I'm fine when Colin's here, but when Colin's not here, if I hear a noise, that lamp is clicked on and left on. Because in the hotel, in the hotels, I know sometimes you're you're not a good solo hoteler. I've gotten much better have at you? it. Well, I have you've gotten to used do to it. it more often. Got, it's like me with flying. It's, it's I've gotten much better at it, not because I've gotten used to it as such, because I just say to myself, if you're not going to sleep for an entire week in this hotel, yeah. like you have to go sleep. Dead so on here's ass, what yeah. I do. I put a light on in the bathroom in the hotel. Oh, good idea. I close over the door a little bit. Yeah. I put on uh, rain sounds on okay. my phone. I put earplugs in. Ambience. And then I just try my best to go sleep. And that has actually worked lately. You I find the first little, night in the hotel uh, is worse. My sister, my sister's so funny. When we were home, my mum's, she was like, I brought a nightlight. So she, she brings nightlights. Like she's so, and it actually does, like it helps if yeah, you're a little a bit idea. uneasy. She And it's not bright. It just when you and especially when you get up, get up at night and it's dark, you don't have to flick on the light and fucking blind yourself. Yeah. You can actually see where you're going. And she says a little one just plugs into the wall. And I was uh, like, this is a there great was a hotel idea. I stayed in recently, the Indigo Hotel in Manchester. <coughs> yeah, and they have this great function in their hotel rooms. Excuse me. Speaking of ghosts, uh, they have a great function in their hotel rooms where there is a switch for a light that is just in the base of your bed. That is phenomenal, and it is to stop you. World class. Calling yourself because yeah. I quite often because I stay in so many hotels yeah. and I travel so much for work I quite often like the second night wake up really disoriented oh my god yeah you don't know where like, you are well, where's the toilet but that's where like the last time I went to say London with Yvonne and I got really drunk and we stayed in a hotel in London and I went into the bathroom and I went into the dark because I didn't want to wake Yvonne up Piston sink. locked the door could not get out <laughs> to the point that I was gently going <laughs> <laughs> like sobbing silently and I was like what do I do like I couldn't get out and I was on the ground and I was trying to look under Why the was door it pitch black there was no light and I was like I got down to my hands and knees and I was like putting my fingers through the pitch and, like, and then Sarah I couldn't get out whatever way the bathroom was set up and I remember just being like that's okay like I was locked I was I was pissed and I didn't want to go like because I want to wake her up I eventually I literally was like on the ground I couldn't it was and I was genuinely terrified because it was so drunk and it was so dark like some of those hotel rooms yeah pitch black like yeah especially if you've got an internal bathroom yeah and we did and there was no um, window in the bathroom yeah. or anything so <laughs> Jesus Christ genuinely sweating like the sweat going down yeah. my back and then I was sick as well I was going to vomit and I, you know that thing when you're going to vomit and you're just like your whole body is just dripping yeah. and I was on the floor like <laughs> in a pair of pants and a top just like trying to get out um, but yeah I like hotels I love hotels yeah I like hotels I love now. staying in a hotel mm. um, uh, the only thing is I don't like staying in a hotel when it's work I don't mind staying in a hotel for work at all because I, I've done enjoyable. it now. So I don't do this thing at work and they know and I've said it to them and even in my previous role, what? I don't get up at four o'clock in the morning to get on a plane for work. No. The amount of them that do. Do they expect you to do that? So Most of them will just come over the same Oh, page. they'll get like the 6am flight Fuck over. Oh. And I just, I've said outright to my boss, I'm not doing that. One, because... I, the, You're a bad traveller as well. That's not a good time. The potential risk of me throwing up at that time and then being incapacitated but for the day. That's the thing. It's not like you throw up and then you're like, I'm fine. No, you like, are done. Done for the like day. You're um, I was like, is an actual real possibility. And and secondly, I'm not getting paid for that time, and I'm never getting no, back. Gotcha. So if you want me to travel for work, I'm coming the day before, yeah. or I am coming at a reasonable a hour of the flight, day, off. like six a.m. in the morning. 
Tomorrow it's, it's I'm flying at three much. o'clock. That's fine. Yeah. Like it's just it's just way too much. Like and as well, like as I said, you're such a you're not a great flyer, and that time of the morning is like Oh the worst for me. That's puke. That's puke, puke central for peak, Sarah. Puke time for SJ for anybody. Like your body's not. Yeah, but it's like, you. Or no morning flight guaranteed. I'll throw because my body's like, huh? <laughs> Whoa, where are we? You're being poisoned. Are you okay about going tomorrow and everything? Yeah, I don't care You're anymore. Fine. I'm actually really good at flying now. Good, that's great. Look at us. You know, growth. I know. I'm saying to Graham, I'm growth. so good. I think I might be able to get on a ride in Disneyland. I'm not going to try it ever. Yeah, I don't know. Well, like you do, there are rides you can get on. I know, but I don't think I'll be able Just to get on. Just not that Star Wars thing. No, Star Wars. Never again. Uh, I always feel like I want to do Clue. like a, a like a televised record, uh, recreation of that moment in the Star Wars because <laughs> I think it would make a really funny thing. It would. Like, it's not funny to you, obviously, when it happened or whatever. It's funny but telling the story. It's funny now, but you can't yeah. go on that, Sarah. That's just not for you. Uh, a recreation. Yeah, like Mademoiselle just... with the orange hair. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> Mademoiselle, me going get up. Yeah. I get remember up. you going. <laughs> Get up! I just had to get you up because we would. And I remember you grabbed me by the arm, and I remember you saying to the guy beside. All I remember you going, "She's sick." Yeah, I was so mad at that dude. He was a fucking dick. I'm She's like, sick. "Your ride will be turned back on. You and your snotty kids will get to fucking do it again. Relax." Yeah. Like. Did the ride get turned off? Hmm? Yeah, they stopped everything. <laughs> <laughs> turned on the lights, <laughs> and she was like, "Let me stay with you on chair," and everybody just went. <laughs> And of course, I hadn't even realised because I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh my God, Sarah's out. That's how I even got to like. But yeah, I don't think that's one that you can do. No, never. No. But maybe like, what was that? What's that one? The mountain, something mountain? Thunder Mountain. Have you ever done that? No, but I think I'd be able to do that. You think so? The next day we contemplated it. Yeah. And then I think the only reason we decided not to is because I was still feeling shaky from the day previous. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. You're um, right. But even when we got on that boat, you were not good. Oh, I got on that boat and we started to move. Yeah, like, oh, you fuck. were not good. And the boat was on a track. It was on a track. <laughs> but even I knew, I was like, oh, she's not. She's not feeling this now. This is not I was like, going I'm just going to sit in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> I just went, I'm just going to sit down. <laughs> so yeah, avoid, avoid that fucking th- that shit, Sarah. Uh, welcome to this week's episode. Of the oh my podcast. god, we haven't even said. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, we're back we're again. recording immediately a day after the last week's episode. We're banking them, guys. We're banking um, them, and also because we're um, traveling and Emma's traveling and our schedules for the next couple of weeks are kind of a bit all over the place. Um, but also, if we have to apologize for anything that you listened to in last week's episode, we can do nothing about it because this is. It's already out. This is the past <laughs> and we don't know how it's landed. We are talking to you from the future. But I did an Alec Baldwin video today. Yeah. Got ahead of it. Got ahead of it. We apologise in advance. In advance. For anybody could come for us. Yeah. Although I don't think anybody will come from it for us. I think it'll be more like, why did you do this? Why did you why did you cover this? So apologies in advance. If well, anybody I think if is... anybody does ask why did we cover <coughs> this? I think they should stop listening to our that's podcast. Totally true. Like, and that's not like I'm sure Colin will, Colin cut that out because he's like, <laughs> "Don't be mean to the people that listen to us." But like, honestly, if like if you are like, do you know what? Why did you cover that? Why have we ever covered Why any story? Why have we covered anything ever? It's just, I hope everybody was okay after it and I apologise and also yeah. I didn't, sorry. Um, I couldn't week, sleep last night. Oh, I was hyped. Sarah, I was just like, even after I read everything about it, like, I was like, Why? Why is why did he mm. why like and then of course I should not have watched that Vice documentary because that was worse. Yeah, yeah that was even worse than yeah. what I uh, uh, also I just like to give a big shout out to anybody that's healing a tattoo on their elbow or their ditch right now uh, solidarity solidarity <laughs> and this thing why did I get it done at the same time yeah I know that's a bad idea like why didn't I why didn't I go do you know what Keelan but you know what I will say it's done 
Yeah, but like, why didn't I go, let's just do the elbow today. And then the ditch another day. And then we do the ditch next week. And then you were like, no, let's just no, go. No, I was like, let's cut. just power through. Let's How just fucking get on. It's actually more, the problem is, is more the second skin. Because my arm, the second skin is pulling my skin really tight at Ooh, certain angles. Poor thing. And my elbow, obviously my arm is swollen. swollen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, She's swollen. Yeah, anyway, I'm fine. Like, it's not as bad as it was. Is the it other night when I got into bed. It was a killer. Oh, poor Graham. I just went to him, stop moving the blankets. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, stop it. And he was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I'm in so much pain. I could hear, I could hear his brain going, I don't know what to do with it. That's not my fault. Like, fuck off. But he didn't because he's a he good didn't. husband. <laughs> I've got housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah. Annette June Cork- Corcoran. Hello. She sent she made a TikTok video about listening to us today. What? So she was going to get Is that her, her first one? No, no, no. Oh. She's going to get her car NCT'd. Oh, okay. And before the NCT, she got, she cleaned her car like r- rigorously. Yeah. And was like, I'll listen to my favourite podcast while I'm doing it, which just happens to be our podcast. Okay. She was like, great. Then she was like, I'm going to the test centre, went to the test centre, put her headphones in. Okay. And was listening to the podcast. And then the podcast kept dropping off. So she thought it was Podbean. She was like super finicky. Yeah. But she was like, it wasn't. She was like, every time the guy doing the NCT turned my car oh, on. Was connecting to the car. The po- Her iPhone was connect. Her phone was connecting <laughs> to the car. And she was like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that people have to apologize that one. <laughs> like if it was any other podcast, they'd be like, this is really interesting and informative. But people have to apologize. <laughs> yeah. Like she was like, <laughs> she was like, and I must have tried to stop it and start it multiple yeah, times because she was like, I just thought it was a pod being. And we're like dicks, fannies, shite, yeah. cunt, like, yeah. Oh um, god, yeah. The amount of people that are like, I hate this is the podcast, and somebody was there, and I just, like, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> Listen, we're not going to change now, are we? Oh, someone made a TikTok video about this. That's crazy. Yeah, they they were like, made a TikTok. And they put in a funny voice on the TikTok, which I don't know how to do, but it makes me laugh. Oh, is that, it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. People are like, we're over it. And I'm like, no more. Yeah, no more. I'm obsessed with this voice. I love that voice. It's so It makes the story 10 times funnier. And people put it on their pets. When their pets are meowing. Yes. It's hilarious. And then, that's I, it. I've no other, because we only recorded yesterday, that's all that's happened. Yeah, I've no other housekeeping other than thanks to everybody again for supporting the Patreon. There'll be a new episode up this week. Yeah, so that's, I don't have any other uh, fucking housekeeping. housekeeping. Nothing has happened. We literally saw each other yesterday. Yeah, me and Emma have so, like to actually, actually we have to sacrifice we have to take a break because then we come in and be like other. because then we do this thing where we meet each other and we tell each other everything, everything. and then we've got nothing, nothing. Yeah. here you know the murder murder yeah. um the big conspiracy in the in the southern towns is that he was made watch as someone else killed his wife and son because he was like essentially owed money launderers money and and opioid dealers money. Um, that's a conspiracy going around, which is a bit Ozarky, and I think it might be true. Yeah, because there's like that guy that um, but he paid someone, didn't he? To 
he try and kill him to try and kill him and then the guy was but like but he didn't he, he didn't. hates somebody to try and kill him but then his plan was to essentially set that guy up so he was like this is insane yeah he was like I'm gonna pay you to kill me yeah or make it look like a te- Let, kill me yeah and then um, an attempted murder an attempted murder and then his plan was that he was going to essentially blame him for the murders of the wife and the son of the wife and the son and be like I owed this guy money because he owed that guy money he owed him money and he was like so I, I'll give you your money but then he was like when the police come because this has happened and he's tried to kill me um he would have just thrown him under the bus. He was like, I'm going to... But he was like, oh, I was... Uh, I tried to kill myself is what he then turned into. And then they interviewed the guy that he paid. Yeah. And the guy was like, you know, the thing is, if if I was going to kill him, he'd be dead. Yeah. And I was like, this... There are layers on top of layers, layers going on shit. here. Like, like, it's insane. Rich people, man. And then the, I just couldn't believe that. Like, the video, because he was like, I was, I was never there. And then his kid had that video on his yeah. phone, and he was talking in the background. Yeah. He kill if if he didn't do it, you watch somebody you else. Watch somebody else do it. I mean, <clears throat> obviously they're going to um, try and retrial it. Like they're going to try and do something to to not put get him sent to jail. Like obviously his lawyers are not going to go. Okay, like but I don't. I do not foresee an animation. Like you know, I also learned that you know when you ring nine. Did I say this on the podcast last week? I don't think you did. When you ring nine. Nine one one. They start recording before anybody answers the call. So you know so when, when you're ringing, you know when you ring. So like when it's going beep, beep, and before beep, beep. An, before an a, an agent because all of those agents are call center agents. So before it kicks in, they're already listening. They're to already it. listening, and so one of the biggest pieces of evidence against him to be like he did this, did this. was they could hear everything before anybody started to speak to him, and he was as calm. There was no like, you know the way like no if, panic. Do you know the way if that? And I, I do get as well that in talking about this, you don't know how you're going to no, react. You don't. However, if you listen to the nine nine call with just the audio of him, he sounds so out of his mind. He sounds so he's panicked. Losing his shit. He's losing it, but he doesn't make a single peep. Like he isn't. So like he isn't like, oh my god, please answer, please answer. Yeah, oh my god, he like make, there's no. He pan- makes no so sound. Then the acting. And then in. he's like. Ah, and he starts to make those types of noises and it's like there there isn't even heavy breathing Emma no he's, he's just like he absolutely did it like, um, there's no doubt that he did it like I just think to get that far to go that far that you have to murder your wife and your child and your housekeeper however the whole theory of like someone else doing it and him being made watch but did he say that no this why is just didn't a, he there's just a concern yeah so like that's the concern. is he worried right they're going to come after his kid or something is yeah it, like because the, the little is family. fucker that he has left Buster isn't that his name um, of course his name is Buster, Buster Murdoch um, by the way his name is Murdoch Murdoch yeah Fuck when me. I see it it's like Jack Donaghy Don- we say Jack Don. how do they say it in the show they say Jack Donaghy no. no, they say Jack Donaghy, and we're like Donaghy. Yeah. We say Donaghy. It's like Gallagher and Gallagher. Yeah, we say Ga- so Liam to us, it's Liam Gallagher. Yeah, to them, it's Liam Gallagher. So it's like that. Whenever people are the Murdoch, I'm like Murdoch. It's Murdoch. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a conspiracy, and anyway, it's gone around. And there is that thing where I was like, wouldn't he have been like someone else? But then he's, if he's so terrified of being. You don't know. But, but, you but like, like, he didn't, he give, he didn't, he didn't seem to give a single fuck about his wife and his kid. I don't understand why he shot his wife and his kid. Know. Like, so that's, I don't, what I don't get about the entire thing is at no point did anybody explain. Like, no one said what the MO was. What the motive was. What's the motive for him killing them? 
What 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 would he gain? It must be insurance. It was insurance. Yeah, but he's actually getting two point four million for the other insurance because he said that he wanted his son, his other son, to have the insurance, the insurance payout. So that's why he was trying to take his own life in inverted commas and killed his wife and his other son. So the second son would get the payout. But I'm like, why? Why would you? Why? How does that make sense? What's? Why are you giving him money? And murdering the other one. Well, you must have a massive insurance policy massive, on him. Massive, I'd say, yeah. It was something like 10 million. Yeah, so like what... what? So he's gotten 12.4 million in insurance payoffs. Yeah. Does he get the insurance no. and he's murdered them? No. Does his son... I think it might go to the son, yeah. But he does not get it. No. And like when that happens immediately, it's forfeited. You don't get it. Because like an insurance company would be like, you get the 10 million, but if you killed your wife, you can still keep it. Like, no, it's gone. But it's, I don't know, it'll probably pass down onto his next kin, which is his son. Does he? Do, is it still, is it if you've killed? Or- Any lawyers out there in America, let us know. Um, So I'm going to do my, not a case. It is a case, a court case. But it's um more a story on somebody that I wanted to talk about because we're not doing murder. Or death, or none of those awful things today. Um, instead, I'm going to talk about Dr. Lydia Foy. Oh, amazing! Yes. So, Dr. Lydia Foy is Colin's Colin Foy's auntie, and she is the first transgender woman in Ireland to have her passport changed to match her gender. gender. So, she was assigned male at birth, um, and is a trans woman now, and had her passport changed to read female. So I'm just going to talk about Lydia and her life, and as I said, I don't, you know, I, I go into some detail, but it is Colin's auntie, and it is Colin's family, so I don't want to go, like, too in depth. Hey Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag, and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, Murder Most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favorite albums but wait there's even more how about mmi drive the fan favorite podcast show where emma and sarah jane drive around dublin talking about all sorts of shite plus our monthly ask me our segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two so what are you waiting for come on over to www.patreon.com for forward slash murder most Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euro. Um, so I got my references from a fantastic radio document or TE radio documentary called My Name is Lydia Foy. So irishcentralnews.com, T-E-N-I.ie, Wikipedia, GCN, from an article Colin wrote for GCN called My Aunt Lydia, which I'm going to link because it's fantastic. The Irish Examiner, Flack.ie, CBS News, and MakingRightsReal.ie. So they're all the references. I'll pop them into the show notes. Um, 
yeah, so is there any trigger warnings I want to mention here? If there's anybody who obviously is struggling at the moment, if there's any trans people out there who prefer not to listen to stories, sad stories, somewhat sad stories, please don't listen and you can, yeah. Whatever. It's odd that you're doing this story today because there was a news article today about an organisation that's a member of the Catholic Church that look after like 92% of our schools mm-hmm. talking about how they're comfortable talking about LGBTQ. No. LGBT, mm-hmm. no, LGB, LGB, mm-hmm. um, but that they didn't want to talk to children as like six, um, about transgender, about trans, yeah. and, and it was because the the beginning of the news article was like, um, like five year olds and six year olds know if they yeah. are gay, of course they do, um, so in that same vein, they would know if there's, if they do not connect with the body they're And this in. is Lydia's story. Um, like. And yeah, it was, and then it was interesting because then there was like another person in the art, in the article who worked for the same organisation that was like, it's a really odd time for this to be released. It, essentially, it's all around this Enoch Burke thing. It is. And that's one of the main reasons I'm doing this story is that obviously the death of um, Brianna Gay a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, the murder the murder sorry I beg your pardon the hate crime the hate crime of of that lovely girl Um, the fact that the far right movement in this country have now taken it upon themselves to attack trans people that's Mm. their new thing Um, obviously drag queens are not the same as trans people but there are drag queens who are trans they're being attacked there are laws and bills being passed in the United States right now that are literally devastating the lives of these people the New York Times seem to think it's fun to release full articles demonishing trans people's rights and when they're called down on it just double down and release more um there is a genuine attack going on on these people and it's part of the alt-right movement it's yeah, part of fascism this... they know exactly what they're doing yeah. it's 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 point by point of what fascists do and now they're taking to attacking trans people because so. this lady that was on and i must get her name but she was on rt news today and she was saying I just don't understand where you've gotten this recommendation from. Yeah. Because I work for that organisation and it's my job to profile what we will what and will we will not. And, do, and yeah. she was like, and right now we're literally focusing on talking about LGBTQ mm-hmm. uh, plus in in sec- in primary schools. Yeah. She was like, religious or not. So she was like, I don't understand where this has come from. Um, And she's like, we want everybody to feel welcome. But it just felt like someone had essentially lied that this... Definitely. Yeah, but anyway, it. I just, and, it's obviously, news and obviously, this Enoch Burke bullshit as well, which the far right once again have. He was like, to. "I've got teachers that are uh, contacting me, telling me what I'm doing is right." Yeah, I'm sure you have Enoch, and your little and your god dad, your, your and your mom, your sky daddy is doing all that too. Um, so I'm going to talk about Lydia. Lydia Foy was born on the 23rd of June, 1947, in a private nursing home in the Midland region. So remember we were talking before about those nursing homes that used to exist where parents went in to have their babies. Like, people didn't go to, like, hospital. They went to those, like, private nursing homes. Yeah. Remember we were talking about that? And that then... must have only happened in the country. Hmm? Yeah, she was born in in the Midland region. Oh, we did talk about that. Yeah, there was remember? a there was a case we covered. Yeah, yeah. it's just like all those hospitals. Yeah. they weren't going to hospitals. They were going to these nursing homes. Uh, she was one of seven siblings. Her brothers Jeffrey, Breffney, Peter, Dermot, and Richard, and her sister Juliet were born to Annis and Ernest Foy. They're great names. Great names. Annis and Ernest. Annis and Annis was a fucking lady. Oh my god. Annis was born and raised in Dunmore East in Waterford, and when she met Ernest, they moved to his hometown of Athlone. Um, the family lived in Athlone, County Westmeath, and had an upbringing full of love and what Lydia described as gentle understanding. Like, not to talk about Colin, but Colin's granny, like, honestly, Annis, 
oh, just like the nicest lady. Like she had this real like calming energy about her and she was so like glamorous and, oh really oh she was beautiful like she was amazing I never met Colin's grandfather because he died a long time before I met Colin but Annis was a lady Lydia attended boarding school in Clongos Wood in oh. County Kildare Clongos Clongos Ploon 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 Train in County Kildare from 1960 I'm gonna get some fizzy pop <laughs> To 1965, her time in school was not a happy one. Lydia said she was relentlessly bullied and the teachers would call her stupid and scatterbrained. Oh my God. She'd mentioned going into almost trance-like states in school and that she would just check out. Lydia felt different from a very early age and she knew she was different. She said, I knew I wasn't allowed to be myself and I couldn't tell anyone. So this is from the age of like five or six that you just mentioned that Lydia understood something was different. Her schoolmates would glue the pages of her books together and they destroyed her clothes. There were two other transgender children in school with Lydia at the time and they suffered the same fate. What? Really? Yeah, she said there was three of them. And what, I'll read this for that time. And so one of whom tragically took their own life and the other was exposed to conversion therapy and shock treatment. Oh my God. So Lydia said that she was knew she was different. Like obviously there wasn't a word for it. Yeah. But there were two other pupils in the school with her that were the same. And the interviewer said to her, you know, did you feel a kinship with them, a connection with them? And she was like, no, because we were too busy, like, fighting for our lives in that school that we couldn't do that. Is Clongo's Woods an all-boys school? Yes, in Canticle Dark. Yeah. Okay. Um, Lydia said, although there were two other trans students um, that were similar to her, none of them felt solidarity in this. She said it was too much of a struggle for, for survival yourself. You're just trying to stay alive. Yeah, she said sometimes they would talk, but then they would just stop talking because it was almost like if they said it out loud, then it was real. It was real, and they were afraid someone would know, yeah. really know, because to her, to those students that were bullying them, they just thought they were gay. Yeah, and that was the worst thing you could be. And that uh, trans was not a th- like they didn't know what it was. There was no name for it. Yeah. So in primary primary school, Lydia remembered being ill with pain at the girls putting on white dresses for their communions. She also felt guilt and envy towards her sister buying dresses. So her little sister was born and then all of a sudden, because she she only had brothers. So uh, then her little sister was born and then this and started the whole like, thing. Oh, okay. She said, my sister came along and she was getting lovely dresses. They were beautiful ballet dresses embroidered for her and I was green with envy. Lydia made it through school and in 1966 she began studying pre-med in UCD but a year later she decided to change her degree to dentistry. In 1971 Lydia graduated with a BA in dental surgery and began practicing. Wow. Lydia would meet her wife in 1975 whilst living in Athlone. They would move to Athai County Kildare and have two daughters born in 1978 and 1980. Lydia do my tea top for cheap. Get her in here. And she'll sing a song to you oh, is she? Them. I'm yes, deadly she, serious. You meet that woman, every you will fully understand, understand that ch- chap in that fucking bedroom. Right. Here, Lid- Colin, tell your auntie to hook me up. I've got real deadly Please, issues. Lydia, do our teeth. Lydia's life was one of normality. She had a great career and a beautiful family, but she knew, as she did as a child, that something wasn't quite right. As a child, Lydia did not feel like a boy. She did not gravitate towards the stereotypical things that boys wanted to do or be at that time. Lydia remembered at a young age the overpowering feeling of wanting to wear a dress, to wear makeup. She looked up to her mother, a glamorous, beautiful woman, and saw more of herself there than she did in her masculine father who hunted and played sports. So, as I said, Annis, super glamorous. She was amazing. 
Lydia said, I knew I wasn't allowed to be myself and tell anybody. You couldn't discuss anything like that with your parents, really, even though they were very, very good to us all. I couldn't have said, look, I just want to wear a dress, not in a million years. You cannot sort of blame them as such. It was just society. And the thing about transgenderism is, as I said, for most lay people, there wasn't a term for this. This is no, and if anything, it was a joke. You know, you dress a man up like a woman; it's a joke. Everything's ha ha. You know, that's and it was all, all it was. like that time, like and not to, but you're hearing words like tranny, yeah, transvestite, like the crying game yeah, is out like, around there. It's all these awful words that describe a terrible thing. There's nothing, yeah, good about it. Yeah, and then you're suffering through this, and you can't fucking tell anybody. Yeah. So there's no Liddy, language. No, there's no language. Liddy remembered seeing a movie called The Colossus of New York, a 1958 science fiction movie. In it, a scientist implanted the brain of his dead son into a robot, keeping him alive. This resonated with Lydia. She felt that maybe her brain had been taken and placed in this body that did she did not understand. Aww. Lydia would read books to try and figure out what was going on. The difficulty in this would be opening a book and seeing how she felt under the column of sexual deviancy. So that's how it was described for a very long time. Any of those feelings, you were a sexual deviant, which is insane. So in the 80s, Lydia's mental and physical health began to suffer. She tried so hard to conform to be who society thought she should be, but now it was becoming too difficult, if not impossible. She attended GPs and explained her condition, which she described then as a disability. So she thought it was a disability because she was like, I don't know what this is. I'm wrong. Something is bad. I can't function. Please help me. Like, that's what she was saying. She thought she had a disability. It was hindering her entire existence and nobody seemed to have any answers. She said they used to try and say, oh, you have a complex, like you didn't have a father figure, which she did. Like Ernest was very much a father figure and brought them all like, like Colin's dad was a fisherman and he learned that from his dad and they're all like sports people and football and hunting and all Mm. that stuff. So she did have a father figure. So that made no sense. Lydia underwent surgery for a leg condition at the age of 32. So this was the catalyst for everything. The major operation left a massive impact on her both emotionally and physically. She felt as though she could go through the surgery on her body and it did not change how she felt that the surgery she truly wanted actually may help her. This turmoil affected Lydia greatly, greatly leading to depression and her ending up in intensive care in Nice. She said, I had no other choice. It was live or die. I either had to get the help or just pack it all in. So around this time, Lydia's marriage ended and so did her career as a dentist. So, Did she end her career as a dentist? They ended up for her, didn't they? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In September 1989, Lydia suffered a breakdown and she just collapsed. She began to seek expert advice. Upon psychiatric counselling, she was diagnosed as... Now, the language here is old language. So anytime I say this word, it's what the medical journals described it as back then. Yeah. So they diagnosed her as transsexual. That's how they diagnosed her. Lydia was told these thoughts and feelings would not go away and would become more intense as she aged. So she thought maybe if I speak to somebody, they'll give me something, it'll go, I won't feel the same anymore. Two doctors in England diagnosed her as suffering from gender dysphoria and she was prescribed a course of hormone treatment. Now, I just have this in parentheses. This term has now been changed to gender incongruence to remove any stigma surrounding it. 
And only in 2019 did WHO remove gender identity disorders from its list of mental illness. Instead, it is featured under the sexual health chapter rather than the mental health chapter. So that was just only in 2019. So when they diagnosed her with gender dysphoria, that term is not used anymore to describe its gender incongruence. So just before anybody yells at me. (laughs) As Lydia began to consider, consider gender reassignment surgery, she knew first that she would have to begin living as a woman. She said, it wasn't that easy to do. You were constantly worried about your voice and how you appear, but it is freeing to be recognised as yourself. In 1992, Lydia decided to go ahead with the surgery. She underwent electrolysis, breast augmentation surgery, operations on her nose and Adam's apple and voice surgery. And then on the How t- do you have voice surgery? I'm not sure what they do. Well, I presume it's something to do with your vocal cords. Yeah. Because obviously we don't have the same vocal cords as men, I believe. I apologise if I'm wrong, but I think there is a slight difference. Yeah. Like as to how women and men sing as well. There's like, so I presume it's something to do with that. And then I do know they get like um, actual therapy where somebody teaches them how to. Oh, okay. Uh, hormones can affect them, right? Of course, yeah. So like testosterone and estrogen. Yeah, yeah. Would affect it. So on tw- July 25th, Lydia underwent a full sex reassignment surgery in Brighton, England. Wow. Is yeah. it like... In 1992, like, it's crazy, isn't it? That she that got it in Brighton. In Brighton, in England. Yeah, there's no Irish doctors who did that. So she had to go to England. Do, I, do any Irish doctors do it now? I'm not sure, actually. I presume so. Although I could be very wrong. Because sometimes I think we're like, moving on. And then I read things and I'm like, no. <laughs> so, uh, Lydia spoke of healing from the surgery the next day in hospital. A nurse entered her room as Lydia was nursing one of her wounds wounds, and the nurse became immediately embarrassed, knowing she walked into the room of a woman first without knocking. Lydia said, she got embarrassed and I thought, God, isn't this wonderful? My dignity and my privacy as a woman is established sort of immediately. Just to feel physically you were matching your brain was really something. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. Lydia's family were informed of her decision and one person very dear to our hearts spoke about hearing his aunties, about his auntie's transition. Colin Foy, Lydia's nephew, said in his GCN article titled My Auntie Lydia, quote, There was no awkward sit down between child and parent. My dad simply took my brother and I aside and giddily explained, Your uncle has had a sex change and she's coming to stay for Christmas. That was it. You see, Peter Foy, my father, has a great knack of weighing up a situation and simply knowing the right way to handle it. Well, I'm going to cry. I know, I know, I was crying today. (laughs) I was bored. That is like the sweetest thing. No. It's a tradition that continues to this day. The festive season simply wouldn't be the same without Lydia's arrival, complete with Santa Hat and her faithful canine companion, Bambi Presley Foy. Colin's parents were respectful and accepted Lydia as she was. Colin said, even back in 1992, a far less liberal time, especially in rural Ireland, my father never tried to hide or sugarcoat Lydia's existence. His view was, and has always been, blood is blood and we support our own. While some in the family struggled to accept Lydia's transformation, my father almost immediately showed support for his sister by offering her a bed and in many ways a family for Christmas. So as Lydia began her life as she truly was, she changed her first names. She chose Lydia as her first name and Annas after her mother. Lydia's a lovely name. Yeah, it's a beautiful name. In November 1993, she changed her name on important documents such as her passport, driving license, medical card and polling card. However, when she asked if her gender could be marked as female, she was told no, that it would not would either have to be male or left blank. 
So she couldn't put female in. What? Mm. So she said she, she, one of the things she said in the documentary, she was like, I didn't want to be blank. Yeah, no, because she's not a woman. That's not who I am, yeah. Both of these options did not sit well with Lydia and she began to research ways in which she could change her birth cert, meaning her social identity could be solidified as female. So Lydia made a visit to the Free Legal Advice Centre, which is a place called FLAC. The centre contacted solicitor Bill Shipsey and he decided to take on the case. He said, it wasn't for the faint-hearted. I was sceptical of our chances as if one is born with male genitalia what is a doctor too, especially at the time, but register the, child, register the child as male. So he was saying like the doctors were just doing what they knew at that time. Yeah. And you I know? just think it's really important at this point to state that sex and gender are not the same not thing. Not at all. No. And people confuse them. And that's what the problem was now, then. Yeah. Like, that was, it that, was like a solid, sex this is the way you are, this is the way you are. Is, and, and sex is just like genetic. Yeah. Male sex organs, female sex organs. Yeah, exactly. Um, Gender is not that, and so this uh, that whole argument of there's only two genders, mm-hmm. there are only two sexes. Se- sexes, there are a lot of genders. Yeah. So in April 1997, Lydia's first court case began. Lydia and Bill Shipsey were challenging refusal of the Registrar General to issue her with a new birth certificate. So that's from Wikipedia. At the time, Lydia was unemployed, so Flack represented her financially. Like, you need to understand, Lydia couldn't get a job. She couldn't get a job. Her, my understanding is her medical license was taken yeah, off Yeah, everything her. was taken from and her. And that's, that was, a, when I remember when I watched, it was either Late Late or whatever she was on, and I remember that being the thing with me as a kid that stuck with me. Why did they take her job from where her? Where she was like, I was, and she, it was because that they said she was mentally unwell. Yeah, this was what that, it was. Because like, it was diagnosed as a mental illness. Yeah, so she was told that, um, because you're mentally unwell, you can't, you can't be a doctor. This, yeah. And um, she was like, "But I'm not mentally unwell. No, I am fully fit. I know what I'm doing. And I can she still do my job. Practice her no. like so. She was unemployed. Yeah, so they had to. Was, they had to help her. I just remember the whole thing being awful. But I remember for some reason not just registering with me, being like, "But she's." she is who she is and like what has any of that got to do with her being able to do her job literally nothing like she's a qualified dentist and the thing about trans women at that time and I think still now with some people their idea of that was this you know guy at home trying on his wife's clothes and like being a dirt it it was such a disgusting thing to people because Mm -hmm. they didn't understand you know and Lydia to her credit change the minds of people and change the minds of people in our judicial system judges mm. who did not understand what this was and then when she spoke and she had a doctor that worked with her as well there is a judge in this case who actually goes I was completely ignorant and now I understand and that's an incredible thing mm. for like the early 90s in Ireland yeah it's not even early 90s it's an incredible thing to get anybody to change their anybody mind. change their mind So this is from Wikipedia. So this is what the basis of Lydia's argument was. The basis of her action was a contention that the Births and Deaths Registration in Ireland Act 1863 did not justify the practice of using solely biological indicators existing at the time of birth to determine sex for the purposes of registration. According to Lydia, she had been born a congenitally disabled woman and the error recording her sex on her birth certificate was not only embarrassing to her, but could also interfere with her constitutional rights as she would be unable to ever choose to marry a man. Go on, Lydia. Dr. Louis Gorin, a Dutch endocrinologist known for his work with transsexual and transgender people, travelled to Dublin to speak at Lydia's case. 
Dr. Gorin told the court that the Dutch Brain Institute had conducted research that indicated the brains of transgender women are very similar to the brains of women assigned female at birth. They believe the sex of the brain had not followed the other specifications of sex. Oh, isn't that really interesting? Yeah, so he was saying there are, I didn't know that. There are women, men and boys and girls born into this world that there are girls born with testes and there are boys born without penises and then they're eventually they get, their penis grows so he was like sometimes the body the brain has created one thing and the body has created another, another. so then the body changes but the brain does not change mm. and that's where everything comes from like we can't change our brains unfortunately no. in the sense obviously you can have medication and stuff like that but you can change your innermost person like who you so are our brains different genetically yeah oh yeah Bill Shipsey said this research was their main argument in the case, quote, the medical argument in this case was us establishing that there was, quote, a brain sex, a neurobiological basis for transgenderism. In this case of Lydia, the bodily determinants were suggestive of her being male, but she had an abiding conviction that she was always thinking of herself as female. And she was. Ah. Lydia never thought of herself as a boy or a man, ever. She was always, her brain always said to her, you are female, you are a woman. Dr. Gorin said that he was very frustrated at his time in court in Dublin. He remembered being asked the same question over and over again. He believed he had explained himself, but that the court was unwilling to listen. He was like, I was sick of them. I told them, I said, this is the way it is. And they said, what do you mean? Like, he was really pissed. He was, Dr. Gorin was not happy. It would seem that the doctor was correct. Welcome to Ireland. Yeah. As on the 19th of July, 2002, Four years after the case began, Mr. Justice Liam McKenzie rejected Lydia's challenge, stating, quote, Lydia Foy had been born male based on medical and scientific evidence and that accordingly the registration could not be changed. So, um, Shipsy does believe, however, that McKinsey did show sympathy towards Lydia's case, mentioning that he did express concern towards transgender people in Ireland, and he believed the government should begin reviewing the matter. However, he still believed the case was a step too far based on the laws that existed at the time. So he did say, I am making this, this is not happening. But he also said the government needs to look into this and actually help these people. So Lydia had enough of a... Because his his argument was based on the laws in Ireland at the time, which were stringent, strict. There was nothing outside man, woman, boy, girl. That's it. Oh, well, he has the opportunity to set the new precedent. But he does. So stay with me. Right, okay. So he also acknowledged that his understanding of transgenderism was wholly uninformed and he could not begin to imagine the pain, loneliness and bullying such people experienced. Oh, that was nice. Lydia's case began garnering attention from the Irish media. You can imagine this went well. And their treatment of Lydia was nothing short of disgusting. Newspapers, pace, the peh, newspapers blasted her as a sexual degenerate and mocked her plight. The mocking carried on over to Lydia's family. So Colin said in his article, my Aunt Lydia, ha, I'm going to get upset. Do you want me to read this bit? Oh, it's okay. I, I don't care about Lydia or Colin. No, it's okay. I hate them both. <laughs> equally (laughs) so he said when the case broke in Ireland making front page news my younger brother Peter and I received our fair share of hurtful schoolyard comments being the hothead that I am I was involved in a few scuffles when some ignorant bully boy crossed the line of course at home we were actively encouraged to turn a blind eye to the dissenters but I adored my aunt and I could only bite my tongue for so long 
We may have been young, but we were wise enough to know that Lydia's struggle had far-reaching consequences for many people and that her work could literally change lives and we wouldn't hear a bad word about her. You and Colin are quite similar in how how you love your people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're really... And and most people are, but you're, like... Because you... You can do this thing where I can see that you, like, get smaller and kind of stay out of things. Yes. But I know that if that changed and someone said something about me, <laughs> it's just it's like you're like a different person. I'm like, what? Yeah, has like, I'm very like, like, if anybody says anything about you yeah. or him or my family, like my sisters, I'm immediately like, ah, and he's the exact And same. so is his brother Peter. He, they were so little, like. So little. And also live in the fucking arsehole of nowhere where yeah. you can't, like, and it's not that Dublin's any better or big city's any better, but you've more options to get away from yeah. it. So in 2005, Lydia's case was sent back to the High Court by the Irish Supreme Court. Lydia made a further application to amend her birth cert. And when this was rejected again in 2006, she issued further legal proceedings to the High Court this time, referring Goodwin's decision by the European Court of Human Rights. So I'm going to talk about Christine Goodwin very briefly. Christine Goodwin, this is from Wikipedia, was a transgender British woman. And she had claimed that the United Kingdom's refusal to amend her birth certificate and to marry as a female violated the European Convention on Human Rights. The court declared that the UK government had, in fact, violated Article 8 and Article 12 of the convention. In response, Britain passed the Gender Recognition Act 2004, providing for legal recognition of transgender persons in their new or acquired gender, and also for issuing of new birth certificates reflecting that gender. So this was Lydia's in, because Mm. Ireland had started to take on European laws at this time. On October 19th, 2007, under the same judge, McKenzie, uh, the court found that Ireland was in violation of European Convention on Human Rights. Lydia had won the right to have her birth cert changed to who she really was, which was a woman. So in his closing speech, Judge McKenzie said, quote, For those persons affected with this condition, there seems to be a burning desire to have their new sexual identity recognised not only socially, but legally. Also, please remind, be reminded, this is from 2007, and obviously the language here is... Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like, just, I could sit here and be like, new. new. I just don't want anybody to think that I agree with this. I'm just yeah. letting you know what is fact, he said. This urge to have their identity fully and in all respects accepted by the law is at the core of the transsexual's plight. This explains why so many, often after painful surgical procedures, are still driven to publicly embark on a fight for legal identity, which is frequently humiliating and unsuccessful. Those at the forefront many years ago faced a public and a system much less sympathetic and less understanding than what it is today. Everyone as a member of society has the right to human dignity and with individual personalities has the right to develop their being as they see fit, subject to only the menial of state interjection. As Justice McKenzie handed down his verdict, he also showed his disappointment and frustration at what he called the Irish government's failure to improve the position of transgender people following his previous judgment in 2002. So he remember I told you he, mm. he said you need to do something. They still hadn't done anything. And when this passed, the Irish government tried to bring Lydia or the whole idea to court again. And then in 2010, they backed down and then they were all like, transgender rights, because something had shifted in society where people were like, "Uh, no, you don't get to do that now. 
And then all of a sudden it was like, here's a book about transgender people and why we should all respect them. But three years ago, we were trying to overturn this. What? Yeah. Lydia said, hmm? bastard. Lydia said that during this time, she began feeling reactive depression, that she felt very alone. Now, you need to remember, like, regardless of what was happening in the courts and the big hoopla around Lydia, Lydia was living by herself in a house in a thigh. People didn't want to know her. She yeah. was, people would like not speak to her. Like she said, she joined a woman's group as a distraction, but felt she did not really make any friends that she was othered there too. Like the gentleman in the, in the documentary said to her, you know, did you make any friends or was anybody nice to you? And she said, no. And then they would say things like, well, at least we said hello to you. Like, what? yeah, like that was good of them to say, oh, hi Lydia, but not speak to her or, it just like how you get fucking on. breaks my heart. Like, yeah. Lydia felt she was a reject, calling herself, quote, the last Irish witch to burn. Like, that's how alone she felt. Mm. Like, she was just. It's horrible. In February 2013, Lydia once again returned to court as the legislation that would allow her birth cert to be changed had still not come into effect. Jesus. Yep. Lydia said, quote, I settled my case against the government in November 2014 when they committed to publishing the long awaited gender recognition bill in full and to having it enacted as soon as possible. The bill was published one month later. The Gender Recognition Act finally came into law in July 2015. It allows all trans people in Ireland to obtain a new birth certificate in their true gender. I obtained the first gender recognition certificate to be issued in Ireland and finally received my new birth cert in September of this year. So that Lydia Foy is the reason that trans people in this country can get a birth cert that states their gender that they are. Is there any like... Has ever, anybody ever done like a portrait of Lydia? They need to. Because like... They need to. She's phenomenal. She's important. Very important. And the thing about people like Lydia is the reason that they do this is because they have that thing in them that they won't back down. And there's a lot of people that don't have that. Like I would have that. I would be like, oh, this is... You know what? But she's like... She was dragged through shit. Like she yeah. had her name be smirched. She was called a sexual degenerate, a freak. Her family were fucking destroyed. And she was still like, nope, we need this. People need to have this. This is only fair. And she got it. Finally, after years of fighting, Lydia would receive her new birth certificate. In the 2011 RTE documentary, My Name is Lydia. That's it. That's the one, yeah. A census taker came to Lydia's door and asked for her name. When Lydia asked what name... The census taker recognised Lydia and realised that she cannot take the census as her gender identity of female does not match her birth certificate. So this was in 2011, just before the law passed. She thanks Lydia and she left. Lydia in 2011 was a nomadic person socially and legally with no real identity in the eyes of the law. Now she is. She fought and she won. Um, so I just wanted to mention as well, Lydia talked about labels. Yeah. And she said, Lydia said this about herself, that she does not want to be labelled as a transsexual, that she believes the reason she fought, fought so hard for her birth cert to be recognised is that is who she is. When asked the correct term to use for her, she said, quote, the re- correct terms are, my name is Lydia Foy. Mm. I no longer need a label anymore. Lydia Foy is a trailblazer. She is a warrior and one of the most important women in Ireland and Europe. She is a sister, a parent, an aunt and a daughter. 
She loves music. She sings in fluent Italian at the top of her lungs to opera. Hmm. She plays the harmonica. She is an artist. She loves animals and flowers. And she's in the Guinness Book of World Records for growing the world's largest foxglove in her garden. Is she? Yeah. She was awarded the European Citizens Prize by the European Parliament in recognition of her campaign for the rights of transgender people in Ireland. Lydia has saved lives. She has made people on the periphery of society step forward and be recognised. She is a remarkable, remarkable woman. I will leave you with my friend Colin's words about his Aunt Lydia. He said, My great Aunt Florence used to say of the Foy family, Here's to us, there's no one quite like us. Lydia introduces me as my nephew Colin, who's almost as eccentric as I am. I can't help but take that as a huge compliment. Lydia, uh, Colin is way more eccentric than Lydia. (laughs) (laughs) My Aunt Lydia is a truly unique human being. Determined, brave, generous, kind, and yes, pretty eccentric. To share some of those traits and to think that she has some of her, sees some of herself in me is a wonderful compliment. Here's to us, there's no one quite like us. And that is the story of the wonderful, amazing Lydia Foy and the fabulous Foy family and Colin's wonderful parents and brother who stood by Lydia and made sure she never felt alone or that she was rejected. And I just think Lydia is an amazing person and I think... You know, she needs to be talked about. So, I am going to make Lydia Foy merch. <laughs> Lydia Foy merch. I'm dead she serious. would fucking love um, that. Sarah. I just have started to like because I know what Lydia looks like. <laughs> she looks like I'm, she looks like Peter. She looks like Colin's dad. She's very pretty. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's beautiful. Bone structure. Yes, she's like got those those chiseled like high cheekbones Cheek yeah and like a fabulous nose and like she's stunning like she's such a great artist and she's so like like she's so like My colin book. yeah she's gorgeous she's absolutely gorgeous she looks um, like her mom in that picture anyway i am going I've, I've said it and i'm going to do it i've already said and it's going to be called my name is lydia Foy. Yay! lydia's gonna love this she's and gonna- <laughs> i think we should do it for like we'll buy us we'll trans buy- yeah we'll, rights in ireland we'll anything we make we'll send towards that and we'll organization. buy lydia something lovely yeah and we'll send lydia some of the merch too colin has her address so i'll we'll get i'm gonna make a tote bag ah! i'm gonna make a make t-shirts sweatshirt yeah i'm gonna make a t-shirt oh and also if you can make, make maybe like a coffee cup or something yeah. for her or something like that i'm gonna I, that's because i've not to do this week while i'm in um, the hotel i just so thought, i'm gonna bring my ipad and i'm gonna yay! draw lydia i just thought it'd be nicer to do that than death murder and homicide also, I, I think <laughs> I know we speak about Lydia because obviously of Colin and yeah. we speak about her like I've never met her no um, but I don't think I think because I know of her and I know of Colin yeah I understand how much she's done but there was just that moment where in that story where I was like Lydia is so important so important someone should why isn't there a portrait yeah, of Lydia she is so important like and I you know to what really hit me with that story as well is the two kids that were in school with her and one of them ended their own life and the other was given like that fucking horrific shock treatment they used to get. and then there's people out there saying like the same argument that there was for gay people for years why the fuck would anybody choose to be gay why the fuck would anybody choose to be trans and live a life where you are literally pushed to the sides of society people treat you like the biggest piece of dirt on the earth you don't have any proper rights medical or otherwise in this country like you've people fucking writing rte articles that the far right are now using to bemoan and bash like bash you why would anybody choose to be trans? That's not a thing. It's not a fucking thing. Um, so yeah, to any any of our brothers and sisters in the trans community listening to this or anybody 
however you identify, please know that we fully support you. Um, and we've got your backs. And as Sarah said, we're going to make merch for Lydia, which is a fantastic idea. And I'm going to, I'm going, so what I'm going to do, I have it in my head. Go on. I'm going to do Lydia portrait and then underneath, I'm going to do foxglove flowers. Oh, that's a great idea. And so I'll do them like a banner around her. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? She's in the Guinness World Record for that, the book for And that. a foxglove is such a pretty yeah, flower. Beautiful. Okay, this is a fantastic um, idea. And it means, so the foxglove's meaning is creativity and energy in the Victorian language of flowers. Foxlove would carry the symbolic meaning of I am ambitious for you rather than for myself. Love it. So yeah, I'm gonna make Lydia merch and I'm and we're going to And we do will it give any Lydia. money we make we'll give and it to And I'm gonna make a portrait of Lydia because I just find it absolutely She needs to be in the National astounding. Gallery. She needs to be in the National she Gallery. Absolutely I'm she should you. be in the National Gallery. Um, which I just think these flowers oh, as banners, but just like with her bone structure yeah. and her colouring. Her colouring, yeah, beautiful. So just to say, hope you have a nice week. Um, if you can read up more on Lydia, please do because she is wonderful. Uh, send Colin lots of love as well because you know he's such a good nephew to her and they love each other very much, even though they're so so alike. Do you not think when Colin see the one Colin quote with his auntie that said what did they what was that quote? Which one? The one that it ended with. What's Colin? Oh, this one. It's at the end there. Yeah, it's at the end. Probably there. Uh, there is no one quite like us. Yeah. I just think of a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, that does They're sound like, like a Wes Anderson Yeah, they family. are like a Wes Anderson family. Like, there is no one quite like the Foy's. There truly isn't like... They're like the Tenenbaums. Yeah, there is no one like them. They're amazing. Actually, I might do... Like, Lydia's portrait might be like the Tenenbaum portrait. Oh, that'd be incredible. Remember I did the Tenenbaum yes. portrait? Yes, 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 yes. That's a great idea. Like yeah. Margo. Um, but yeah, well, I hope everybody you have a lovely week. And this is a nicer episode than last week's. A much nicer episode than last week. And we're really sorry for last week. We're very sorry. Um, but And yeah, like if you can do something this week that just talks openly and nicely about trans people. Just talk about it. And if you have anyone trans in your life and, you know, you're finding it difficult to find acceptance or anything for them just listen to Lydia's story and what she went through and what the people in her school went through and how people have lost their lives because of this yeah and please know that somebody trying to live their who they are is not to hurt you no it's like imagine someone turning around to you in the morning and saying to you you have to strip away every part of your personality and live this like cookie cutter idea of what you are it will break you yeah so just try to understand she's very strong you know, but um, have a lovely week, everybody. Have a nice week. I don't think there's an episode next week because I'll be in Canada, but we yeah. will be back the following week, we promise. Yeah. And have a lovely week, everybody. Have a lovely week. Bye. See you later. Bye. She said it's just a phase. The mother's milk gone sour, it fermented with our father's gaze. I caught the bride's bouquet. Now I'm waiting in the chapel for a fresh coat of paint, they say. No, I'm not trying to be that bitch. I'm just up here trying to make a difference. Drinking for the nerve, but I'm all fucked up. And I'm worried about my hair and my makeup. Made me matter for a minute For about an hour I was all up in it Now I'm locked down shivering the second hand shade And I hate on every choice that I ever made Ever made This life just isn't to my taste So 